Hello and welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Tom, and I am joined by Stu. Hello. And Chris. Hello. And I've got a feeling this is going to be one of those episodes where we talk more about some controversial news topic than we do the race we're supposed to be reviewing. What? That never happens. When does Begin. That, what you, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like we're, I've joined the wrong podcast. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bants, the true bants. Um, should we talk about the race first? Should we should we do the obligatory bit first? We <laughs> <laughs> sound so reluctant. It was a little lackluster, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's so lackluster that I barely already remember it, and it happened less than twenty four hours ago. Um, it's it's a shame because it like. It showed a lot of promise early on, didn't it? Like, it seemed to be quite... It was pregnant with promise, but yeah. barren of entertainment. I'll, 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 take, I'll take full responsibility, because for once in my life, I took to Twitter to live-tweet an opinion, and oh, no. it never... never oh, why'd you do that? Like, exactly, I ruined it. I basically <laughs> just put something about, like... the re- It was something similar to what I'd said in Discord. Like, the really interesting bit of this is the Mercs are keeping with the Red Bull on a harder compound of yeah. tyre. Looking forward to see how this pans out or something to that effect, yeah. uh, at which point the race was doomed. I apologise to everyone <laughs> did, for tweeting did you, that on lap 10. Did you waste the inter- <laughs> Were you wasting internet? I have wasted 100 and... No, it's more than 160 character tweet now, isn't it? Yeah. I have well, wasted I think, some, I to go around, some database <laughs> I think, space. I think sure. between us, the amount of time we've been doing this podcast, we've probably wasted many, many, many hours, terabytes of internet. <laughs> so. I, I can usually find a way to route some sort of disaster back to me, whether it's earning a driver's hat or just generally wishfully, wishing for something in a hopeful manner. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you yeah. have expectations? Yeah. You and your oh. expectations, I'm ruining everything. So yeah, I guess I, it, it was kind of a it was a battle of tire degradation, basically, wasn't it? And Yawn. as you say, like Hamilton be able favorite. to keep up with Verstappen <laughs> sort of gave us some hope, but um, I mean, Mercedes basically after the race said they underestimated how well the softs would perform and basically the moment the blankets came off and they saw the red balls on the softs they sort of knew they were doomed um yeah they fluffed the strategy absolutely massively i mean i i said during the the during the race itself they backed themselves into a corner yeah because they by starting on the medium, it was such a bad strategy from the outset because by starting on that medium tire you know that like by the by the time you get into the pit stop window your only real option at that point is going to be to put the hards on because you don't know if the softs mm. are going to make it to the end in that first pit window so yeah like well if you, if they could have made the mediums last way way longer than they did and used the softs at the very end of the race then might it might have been a more interesting race i think it would have been a lot more interesting race but yeah and we got in the end it's not so just to like so we know sort of the playing field. Um, Perez and Verstappen took did softs to lap 23 and 25 and then mediums all the way to the end. Whereas um, Hamilton and Russell did like 29 and 34 laps on the medium and then as you say, had to switch to the hards. And like Russell at one point said like, let's extend and try and go to softs at the end. And other teams did do 
mediums to softs and made it work. One drive in particular made it work really well, which we'll get to. But it was frustrating because all the all the noise from Mercedes pre race was really bullish. Like we're going to throw everything at this. Like even if we need to sacrifice one driver to let the other one win, like we're going to really go for it. Then when it came down to it, they just sort of picked a strategy that instantly looked slower than everyone else and just stuck to it. Like it was a bit yeah. just dull well, and conservative again, like, and they had to stick to it because if they would have lost by even more if they had if they'd pitted again then there would have been Yeah. Like, I, I wish yeah. they'd even just swapped one of them. Like leave one of them on the like um strategy they planned. Let Russell stay out longer and try the softs. Like do yeah. something, but they just sort of plodded along. I think the other thing as well though is that like plenty of people stuck with the medium longer and made mm. it very clear that it was viable to switch to the soft for like more than a, probably a third of the race, I would say. Like it was something like what, a 60 40 split, maybe? Probably more than that, 70 30. I don't know. Like, but you got people mm. like Gasly, Albon, Joe, they all did. 40 laps plus i'm sure they did on mediums and then did the rest uh, of the thing on top. yeah gazi and albon were like 38 40 laps on mediums and then yeah uh around 30 on the soft so it, it could be done yeah ricardo, I mean, ricardo, ricardo did a really did long stint that was laps on the medium yeah. yeah i mean and look where that got him to in terms of yeah exactly the position he had a 10 second penalty and still finished best of rest. <laughs> so <It> just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just disappointed from Mercedes, really. Like, I really, it really looked like they might be able to take the fight to the win a lot more than they did, and it just just sort of petered well, out, didn't it? Really. Yeah, but I think I think Tom, I think what you were saying right at the beginning there, I think you know it sh- that shows you that if they had got the strategy right, they would have been in with a real chance of winning the race. I they think simply so. got the strategy wrong. They got the strategy mm. completely wrong. That the fact that they were able to keep keep up, stay and stay ahead, Hamilton particularly stay ahead of um, stay ahead of the Red Bull, then and keep up well, not keep up with Verstappen necessarily, but stay ahead of Perez on a on a harder tire compound. It didn't lose too much time per lap against the no. Verstappen against Verstappen on you know on, on a softer compounded tire, so. There was a clear, there's clear evidence there of parity between performance-wise between those two cars if they'd been yeah. on similar strategies. Mm. It's just I think the desperation that Mercedes have at the moment to win a race has, has driven them down another blind alley. In yeah, terms and of, this time it's a strategy blind alley. And the worst bit of it is there was a point before his pit stop where Russell was basically calling, "I want to basically go to yeah. the softs and see it through to the end," and. They essentially didn't let him and said, "No, nope, we don't. We don't think the medium's going to last. We think the drop off's going to be yeah. too too sudden. So we we're pitting for hards." And yeah. that, I think that's why there was a bit of a gap between because there was a good number of laps between Hamilton pitting for the hard and Russell pitting for the hard. And I think part of that was because they were going back and forth debating about what tire to go to, and Russell yeah. was like pretty adamant that he wanted to eke out the medium to switch to the soft and go to the end, and. It, had they let him do that, there's a good chance they'd have had both cars on the podium and potentially had him chasing Verstappen. Potentially. Yeah. Like so. the everything they were saying pre race was 
we just want to try and win this. We don't really care what happens. But that all their mm-hmm. actions said we want to get as many points as we can because we're trying to chase Ferrari for second. Yeah. 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 Hundred percent. I think another another facet to this as well. It, uh, like if we're looking for reasons why this mistake may have been made by well was made by um, by Mercedes, you got to remember that they didn't have as much time to evaluate the tires over the over practice did they because they did another one of those really long tire tests for Pirelli so it was obviously it was the same for every team and no one had all no one had all of the data but FP2 was an hour and a half of cars going around on tires basically meaningless running from a from a from a preparation for the Grand Prix perspective because you're just running completely different tires and you're just going hell for leather on yeah random tires that you don't know what they are well george got 45 minutes of practice too on normal tires but we didn't get any was in the car but even that's nothing when you've missed a whole session it's yeah next to nothing yeah um i mean all that said not to take anything away from verstappen and red bull like that was just a master class in tire management yeah yeah dominant yeah like it's, it's it's yeah, record strong, 14 to win in a season for him now. Um, it's also the most points a driver's ever scored in a single season. Um, I still find that hard to believe with some of the seasons that Hamilton's had, though, as well, in comparison. Yeah, that is... Like, you you, you have this image in your head of these years of just pure dominance from Lewis Hamilton, but never made more than 13 wins. And, yeah, Verstappen's beat his points total with two races to spare. Like, mm. even the years but- when Bottas was just doing next to nothing still didn't manage even, uh, even so i think he, uh, hamilton has had competitors teammates that have been more up to the job i think than what verstappen has you know i wouldn't i wouldn't say um would you, would you, uh, you put know the Perez thing though in the same bracket as bottas i know you wouldn't chris <laughs> um, i mean i probably would <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say I don't. I don't think. Obviously, Rosberg was like Rosberg was good. Yeah, the, the way he pushed Hamilton, that was just like a different ball game. I think Bottas definitely had better years, or like closer years than Perez has had for sure. But Bottas also had a couple of years where he was probably over a season as far away from Hamilton as Perez is from Verstappen yeah. this year. Mm. But then you know, Perez is all. Think uh, sorry, um, Verstappen's always had sort of fairly average teammates other than even well I would I would say you know what people are going to hate me for this but I wouldn't say Perez is about to go off and win world championship I would I No would but that's him in also the... why he's there isn't it Yeah that's exactly. exactly why he's in the seat Um <laughs> Alex Albon you know again not really someone who you who you can envision winning a world championship with Red Bull um Pierre Gasly was never going to win championships with Red Certainly Bull Certainly not at that point in time yeah. So, uh, who else was this? Team? Did it was um, well, Ricardo. Oh, yeah, Ricardo for a while. Because yeah. Ricardo, yeah. Oh wait, no, Ricardo, no, probably the closest it, to the bunch. He yeah. replaced. He replaced Kvyat, and when Kvyat came back, he went into Toro Rosso, didn't he? That was or, uh, or yeah, Alpha Tower, yeah, whichever it was at yeah, the time. Replaced, yeah, and it was it was uh, Ricardo who was Kvyat's teammate yeah, at that yeah, point. Yeah, Verstappen came along to Red Bull and won. Yeah, the, immediately the got in the. In the uh, in the Red Bull, um, but yeah, yeah sorry, like, we've gone on a big tangent there, haven't we? We have, um, but yeah, just very dominant records in what has been a very dominant season. Um, you just run out of superlatives, don't you? 
with the season. Yeah, he's like also, this, yeah. I think he's got the biggest points margin of anyone as well at this point. If he's not already, he's well on the way to it. Yeah. I think he, no, I think he has. I think that was another one that was less publicized, less yeah. well, less broadcast, if you like. But yeah, yeah he's, he's got more. It doesn't points roll off the tongue else. quite as well as an interesting stat that one, I suppose, no. does it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. you know, I, I will say like, and I, and I said this at the, you know, during the Hamilton dominance years as well, like they were boring, you know, they they weren't that fun those years they were they weren't very entertaining it's not very entertaining to see one driver win every race win no. loads of races it's not i wouldn't really it's, it's, it's an amazing achievement and there's no doubt about that you know to, to be that consistent and to be on form for an entire season and to perform the way he has all year but is it a good thing <laughs> i think when it's a one-off or something you know like it's a it's a superb year for team and driver. I think in those scenarios, I'm way more supportive of it happening because when it's when the when the normality is dominance by team and or driver, it becomes boring. When the whereas at the minute what it is is the exciting season is the the odd one in the middle where there's a two or three way fire for the title when it goes down to the to the last couple of races and it should really be the other way around shouldn't it it should be the the multi-way fight should be the majority of the seasons and yeah. the runaway season should maybe be a season like this which is the first season of new regs or like the way that it happened with braun and jensen like the start they had to that season like a, a new reg where somebody's got something that's like just a step above and it's like you know well done, you you nailed those regulations. But next season, most people have caught up, or or whatever the situation is, and we're sort of back to more mixed running. And unfortunately, it always tends to be the other way around. There's one team that gets an advantage, and then generally tend to maintain it for the foreseeable future until yeah, something significant changes again. Historically, that has been the case for sure. I think given the new way they're doing the air regulations now and um, give, making they've made the sort of tiered system where you have a lot less aero time if you yeah. if you win a championship compared to yeah. if you are last in a championship the gulf between the amount of testing time is just crazy like i think it's something like a thousand runs of aero yeah, testing it's a lot. is the difference it's between lot, the, yeah. the winner and the loser the, the ultimate winner and the ultimate loser um, obviously, it's a t- it's a stepped system. So, um, if you come second, obviously you still you, the, the the benefit is going to be different, kind of thing. Like you're not going to get as much of a benefit. You're not going to get as much of a um, an advantage over your competitor because you only came second and you didn't come last. Yeah, but it's a clever system. It'll be it's going to be interesting to see if that solves this problem well i mean one team being dominant for a long period of time it is um luckily for red bull they're starting off with maybe the best aerodynamicist there has ever been so (laughs) we'll see how much of a penalty it actually ends up being for them maybe they'll just be very fast instead of very very fast yeah, well, I think <laughs> definitely, uh, you know what, especially with, and we'll get to all the penalty stuff and the cost oh, cap will. stuff later on, but I do think that given they've, well, I mean, they've won this championship, haven't they? So that's straight away, that's 70% of the amount of time that they would have got 
if they were fifth. Um, um, I think it's fifth is like the hundred percent considered the hundred percent. I don't know why they that, have like it? yeah, like oh, I tenth, thought it was tenth is one hundred and fifteen percent and first is oh 70%. yeah of course why not just have like yeah. tenth a hundred percent and everyone below that yeah it's, it's very strange. spinal tap system isn't it it is isn't it <laughs> it is isn't it it's so true um but yeah with this other penalty they're literally down to like 63 percent and apparently it goes to 11 according to according to <laughs> christian horner they have a um a winter that is a relic from the cold war so <laughs> we'll see um We'll see how badly it affects them. I think it I mean, just means that they're going to scratch their heads a little bit more and work a bit harder. But yeah, that is never really done them any disservice up until now, has it? What a lot of rubbish! I know, that right? I know, is. right? Like, oh, it's as a if... relic from the Cold War, but you've got the fastest car. So, <laughs> as if Adrian knew he's there, cranking a handle to get it started. <laughs> yeah, and then they've all also always had the most aerodynamically strong car, pretty much on the grid. <laughs> yeah. So to be like, yeah, the wind tunnels are shambles, mate. Like, well, it's probably just Adrian Newey just draws lines on it. And he's like, yeah, the arrow <laughs> on this is good. Yeah. And to be fair to that man, he can literally see in waveform, air, air waveforms. Yeah. yeah, man. So the um the the mental <laughs> gymnastics that that man goes through to prove a point <laughs> is just absolutely it's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, luckily we don't have to hear as much of it at the minute because they boycotted Sky for a bit. So that's yeah. Oh, we'll, yeah. We'll, will we get to that? Are we going? We get will to get that to that. We will get to <laughs> that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, is there anything uh, more sort of general you want to talk about about that whole Mercedes Red Bull thing up front, Chris, or can we move to Ricardo? I get a couple of little bits of housekeeping, I guess. So yes, that's a second second place in a row for Hamilton now. Um, only Verstappen and Leclerc have outscored him in the last like twelve races. I think he's on a. It's funny, ever since they stopped just experimenting with his car, he's been very, very fast. Who knew? We <laughs> yeah. could have seen that coming. Um, Perez took a home podium, which takes him back up to second in the Drivers' Championship. Uh, Red Bull seem fairly keen on getting their first ever 1-2 in the uh, the Drivers. And if the way Ferrari performed this race is anything to go by, they may well manage it. Uh, and then, yeah, a lonely fourth place for Russell with um, fastest lap meant Mercedes are now only 40 points behind Ferrari in the constructors. So Ferrari, after the promise they had at the beginning of the season, may well not even finish second the way things are currently going. At what point sh- do you sort of think they're like just not bothered because they'll get a bit more winter all time if they get overtaken? You know, like th- that's a genuine part. I think like at the top of Formula One, like where money is no object, and where they're struggling to sort of stay below the cost cap, then the pri- obviously the prize money makes no difference to them. Mercedes are in like massive profit. I would not be surprised if you saw at the end of this season those two fighting over third in the championship and not second. <laughs> like they don't need yeah. the money. They need the wind tunnel time is what they need. So the benefit, yeah. there's there's a huge benefit to both of those teams for finishing third. And no one's really spoke about this actually from what I've seen on the media i think we've got something in the inbox yeah. about it actually so Do we can dig into a bit more there okay i'm channeling that person's same <laughs> process um yeah so we, we sort of started touching on ricardo a little bit there like i mean towards the end of the race personally all i did was switch to him because to me that was where the entertainment lied yeah so i, I just was just watching his... ricardo his gap on the lifetime and towards the end that was basically yeah. what I was interested in. 
Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's going he through the field. Penalty, he? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he 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 took someone out of the race and got a ten second penalty and two license points, but also it was probably his best driver of the season and he won driver of the day. Like, um, like he it was it was like in in the last third of the race that was like watching Ricardo of old. Like for yeah. whatever reason, all the struggles he's had just seemed to it all seemed to fall into place, and he was just on it. It was just so good to watch. Window. Yeah, window it's, it's only window. taken him almost two full seasons. I mean, some um, some of it was slightly helped by the fact that the cars he was chasing were on hard compound tyres compared to softs. Does help a was. little bit in his favour, but that wasn't all it was. Like, there was... Because, I mean, at the time he got his penalty and he was on the softs, it was something like 12th or 13th, I think. And the only person that really let him go at any point was Norris, his teammate. And everything else was a battle. Like it was a fight for position, and yeah. nobody gave it to him easily. So, like, like I say, one once he was in that scenario, I was kind of just focused on him anyway. I'd given up on the battle of the front because I could already see how <laughs> it was going to play out. And yeah, yeah, and very entertaining, even if there was a little bit of a a silly mistake with uh, Sonoda. Yeah, what do we think of that Sonoda incident? Just a silly place to stick your nose up the inside of a car, I think. He was frustrated, wasn't he? he was, yeah. I think he, you could see he was all over the back of him. I think um, Sonoda was... I mean, it's a, it's a corner, it's a sequence of corners where it's easy to park yourself on the apex and force the other car to sort of come out of the throttle and gain an advantage by yeah. taking off. So, Esteban Ocon just entered the chat. <laughs> <laughs> there, was a, there was a bit of that going on. Um, and also... The um, yeah, just the the frustration of like having not been able to quite get by. It was like right, well, I've got to do something. There was mm. a bit of a there was a bit of a gap. To be fair, the door was like, open, and then it was he did leave the door open for him. Yeah. But then he closed. He slammed the door shut. And there's an argument to say Ricardo should have known he was going to slam the door shut. But there was an argument to say Sonoda could have expected him to come up the inside, having left the door open like that so I, f- I do feel like two penalty points for that is a little bit harsh it was a very visual accident but like Ricardo after the race said he at no point was he trying to actually overtake it, he all he was really trying to do was he'd kind of through the previous sequence of corners he'd forced Sonoda offline he was just trying to keep Sonoda offline through that complex to get a better run on him after that the corners mm. um <laughs> which which I get but like uh, yeah, that that gap was that. always going to close, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I do think ten seconds and two license points is maybe a bit harsh. Um, I think the yeah, license think points so. is maybe a bit harsh. It's not like he's been doing it all season and had multiple incidents. Um, I feel like ten seconds in the grand scheme of things is probably about right. Like Gasly's was five, wasn't it? And he essentially just pushed him off the track and then maintained an advantage because of it. So I think ending somebody's race in order to get past them, like destroying the side pod and the radiator, it definitely warrants more than five seconds pushing somebody outside the track limits to, to hold position or take position. Oh, yeah. So, but I, I think the license was... point is a little bit harsh, maybe. Because Russell got five seconds previous race for taking out signs in turn one, didn't he? And I would say this was... Yeah, true. I, I would think say this one was a little bit more this egregious. This maybe a little yeah, worse, yeah. I think this is worse than the Russell one, just on the basis that it's not all cars piling into turn one. 
there's only really Ricardo at fault. Like, I mean, to be fair, I was yeah. putting science too much at fault for what happened in Austin. <laughs> but, like, there's, there's way more responsibility on Ricardo at that point in a race, a full, like, you know, we've got laps down on track racing incident compared to a tight turn one, turn one bunch up lap one. So, yeah, I think it... I think the thing that's just harsh for me, I think, is the license points. I do think that that needs to be really reconsidered, as this should be like people repeat offending. Like, yeah, that whole it, system it's... needs an overhaul. It it's was never brought, been it, fit for purpose anyway. Yeah. It's never been used properly. It's never been used properly. Yeah, and the number of times all. that we've had to bring it up on this and have that conversation. Yeah. Shows Let's, that we'll not we'll labour that. Properly. Exactly. Hmm. And we are rapidly turning into the Let's Talk About Penalties podcast. <laughs> not Let's Talk About Formula One podcast. That's why we're called Back of the Grid, because everyone gets a penalty, goes to the back of the grid. <laughs> That's true. Then we talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> Come on down to our level. Yeah. Let's talk uh, about Alpine, because that race between them and McLaren is kind of. It's coming to that boiling point that I yeah. think we wanted it to. Bit of a disaster for LP in this race. Like they had mm. such good pace, but still came and done. I mean, ultimately, as Alonso will remind anyone who'll listen, it's more reliability <laughs> problems letting him down. Um, he was yeah. seventh for pretty much the entire race. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, Renault went pop and out he went. He was very frustrated afterwards, understandably. Um, seven points between them in the championship now. Yeah, because Norris got in the points as well. Ocon only finished eighth in the end. Yeah, because Ocon did the same medium to hard strategy that Mercedes did, and it just didn't work yeah. for him. Yeah. Um, like Ricardo passed him and then just drove 10 seconds up the road, which <laughs> kind of says it all, really. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, seven points, two races to go. It's um, going down to the wire, that one. Mm, exciting stuff. Yeah. Um,. And at that point, we saw running out of stuff from the race to talk about. It wasn't the most action-packed of races. Was there anyone else you wanted to mention any other incidents? The, we could talk about the Gasly stroll, was it? Gasly stroll, didn't it, to turn four? Yeah. Is this, is this the bumping of the wheels, or is this the thing yeah. that got him the penalty? Which one? The thing that got him the penalty where he locked up and then, and then ran pushed wide stroll and ran off. him off the road. Yeah, yeah <laughs> ran him off the road in inverted commas, but lost control of his vehicle and... Stroll had to take avoiding action, I would say, mm. rather than he ran him off the road. But yeah, it wasn't a running off the road makes it sound way harsher than it very, was. Very it different. makes it sound like he deserves penalty points for it when clearly he doesn't because it was just a racing incident, I would have said. Mm, Obviously, I think five if, seconds if, is I think fair. If, if he'd given the place back, he should have given the place back. Yeah. There's no doubt about yeah. that. He should have, so, like, by the time you've not given the place back, yes, you deserve a penalty. And I think if he hadn't given the place back, if he had given the place back, then it would have been all fine, not worth... I still don't think it's worth giving penalty points for, but it's definitely worth giving a, 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 a strategic penalty in the race for. Yeah, yes. penalty points is stupid. Like, yeah. And you know, he's, Gasly's like close to a race ban. He's like two points yeah. off. Yeah, another one of those incidents, yeah, and he will get a race ban. And none of them expire for like a while as well. He's got to stay clean for the next like nine or ten months. You could argue that the system kind of is doing its job if if the points are deserved, which we don't yeah. always most people don't always agree necessarily with with whether or not they are deserved. Um I think if you handed points out for every instance where something like that happened last season, Max Verstappen would have got like three race bans. 
<laughs> yeah, like <laughs> like times when other cars have gone off track to avoid the collision while he was trying to overtake them. <laughs> I think mean, like there's definitely you know if that's and penalty that's points, the weird then thing, isn't it? How like, many would have he accumulated? Like how mm. many times last year did we see? I mean, a lot of drivers do it, but Max in particular, like intentionally go deep into the corner and run the other guy out of room. And that gets no points. But if you accidentally lock up and someone has to run wide to avoid you, that is yeah. worth penalty points. Isn't the, the yeah. deliberate one not more egregious? Like, yeah, it's, it's a weird implement. Again, it's just, it's kind of that. I guess like they don't really like interfering too much with like the cars at the front because obviously it's quite Ooh, controversial yeah. when you hand a penalty to. So well, when unless it suits them, it shouldn't them, matter. Like, though, it should shouldn't it? matter. It shouldn't shouldn't make a difference. But yeah, rules are rules. We, we, we want consistency. We've always we repeatedly mm. say that everyone, all fans, want consistency, and yeah, we just don't seem to get it. It's a bit easy when it's Gasly and Stroll fighting over fifteenth, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Mm. Exactly. Should we um, pick a driver of the day out of the bunch? I think this is a hard one, it in is my a opinion. Hard one. Compared to most weeks. Mm. Like, like, if it wasn't for the incident that he had, Ricardo would be an absolute shoey in. <laughs> yeah, I can... see you did there. <laughs> can I, I, in good faith, give it him having done that to Sonoda? That's kind of where my moral compass is all over the place like it's hard I, isn't it because i've i've definitely revoked driver of the day from people for much less severe like smudges on the record of the race i think if it was driver of saturday it would absolutely be bottas for mm. sticking like splitting the ferraris in the alfa romeo he was rapid in qualifying but um I mean, to be fair, with the lack of race pace that car has got, Bottas did well to hold on for a point in the end. It, it yeah. was a good, really good weekend from Bottas, but man, that Alfa Romeo had no race pace. Mm. So I think yeah, I think that one point Bottas got ended like a 10 race pointless streak for him. Wow. It's been rough times at Alfa Romeo. Um... Mm. Who else? I mean, th- there's the obvious choices, isn't there? There's Verstappen for just absolutely nailing it. Yeah. Masterclass mm-hmm. entire management, like, soaked up. Well, it wasn't even really under pressure, I wouldn't have said, because mainly because Mercedes messed up their strategy. I think if he'd been under a bit more pressure, maybe he'd deserve it more. But um, he was clearly able to just manage his tyres however he saw fit and control his pace, control the race. Um, Hamilton making the best of a bad strategy is is a shout. I can't I feel get like... to Perez. I feel like Perez should have been ahead of Hamilton. Really, I think it should have been a one yeah. two. I've... Yeah, I mean Ricardo I f- is probably. I like... feel like we all just so like secretly just want to give it to Ricardo, and we're just fi- yeah, we're trying to justify reasons <laughs> well, to either give I it don't... to him or not. <laughs> I don't really mind the incident because it kind of gave us something to talk about and also i don't think it was quite as bad as what it visually it looked bad but really was it that bad he, he he tried to go up the inside and uh um rick Tsunoda failed to take avoiding action um is that 
is that so bad? Like going for the move anyway? You definitely, to you definitely trying to twist this too. I'm not twisting this in any way. <laughs> he, he, he's aimed his car at the apex and the car didn't take avoiding action. And, and I, I'll tell you what else I'm going to say as well. <laughs> um, do you know what? I'm hot clipping that for the next time you have a problem with someone sitting on the inside, 100%. <laughs> That, will, that, that comment will come back and haunt you, my friend. <laughs> like, I'm just going to remove any, like, even suggestion of us being, um, uh, like, f- fair and not biased in this and say that this there's a half-decent chance this is the last time we'll ever get to give Ricardo a driver of the day. So for that alone, I'm going to pick Ricardo. Yeah, I think it judging just... by um, Discord chat's reaction as well, nearly every one of them has given us the authority to say Daniel Ricciardo. <laughs> they, they're not disputing that we should be able to say that. And they are also justifying it in very similar means to us. Right, such yeah. as, I've got it. It might be our last chance. I wish I wish we were a video podcast because everyone would be able to see the massive grin I've got on my face. The ironic <laughs> huge grin I've got on my face when I'm saying all this. Right. I think it's Ricardo then. It's got Let's Ricardo. do it. Let's I think it's the only Ricardo. interesting person in the entire race. So it's got to be Ricardo. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's talk about moves of the day. Obviously, Ricardo had some. Um, Ocon battling with Bottas was very entertaining. That so, was the first interesting move, I think, to happen, wasn't it? Ooh, probably. The first least, big move. Yeah, at least a big wheel-to-wheel sort of overtake that did not end in tears. And it was really well... <laughs> composed as well i thought that was the thing around like he he yeah. he picked his line it was good it was just really really good racing he he set up the overtake from yeah you know from going down the strip through turn one it was set he knew he could go around the outside and take the inside line it was on it was on much better tires obviously at that point like, there's no way he's getting around the outside at, like the way he does but oh was he actually or was it um but no bottas had just come out on cold tires from the pits oh maybe you're testing my. There was de- there was definitely one that was an overtake on Bottas with colder tires. I don't know if it was the Ocon one. Oh. well, whatever. I mean, it, it was great to look at. Wh- yeah, whatever the way, scenario, it like it, it it was it was an exciting overtake, and yeah, it was well put together. To line yeah. yourself up for the inside for the next corner is always a nice move. So that's definitely got my vote. Yeah, I mean, honestly, only the thing I can think of is to give it to. Hannah Schmitz for putting the Red Bulls on soft tyres at the start. I can't think of any <laughs> other interesting moves to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll give it Ocon, I think. Yeah, I'm happy with Ocon. That was the main one that we'd written down, I think, yeah. so, between us. So I'm happy with that. Right, let's do the last award for this race. Honestly, what the f*** are we doing here? Hmm. This is one of those where there's quite a few there is actually how are there so many when it was such a boring race i mean there's the fact that ricardo managed to take someone out and still get driver of the day (laughs) he's funny enough i mean we haven't even mentioned ferrari which is how bad and anonymous their race was like yeah basically everyone with a ferrari engine was just nowhere they're going for uh they're going for third in the championship ferrari that's why sandbags in sandbags yeah Uh, I mean, Mercedes just talking a big game, then doing absolutely nothing. Well, well they, they, not they, no, that to their comes drivers. The, they had the pace; they just didn't have the strategy. 
I think yeah. I genuinely yeah. believe that. I think if they'd got the strategy right, they would have been at least there would have been a few. They would have been way more in the mix, and they just they fluffed the strategy massively. Yeah, Re- one thing's a rare them. mistake for them. Yeah, well, one thing actually, having said that, to... this this season and recently though, they, there's definitely a lot more of that creeping in. Yeah, oh, I yeah. think hold, hold I think... that for the inbox. Oh, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, one thing stood out to me was the fact that af- after the Gasly stroll thing, it was so blatantly like he needs to either give the place back or he's going to get a penalty, and they seem to take like an age yeah. to come up with the most obvious penalty in the world and then later in the race we had the ricardo Sonoda thing and like that barely made it to the next corner and the stewards were like yep 10 seconds have that <laughs> very weird um we can talk about red bull and sky now though i think yeah oh my god here we go it's so weird like for it's those pathetic. everyone who hasn't seen basically red bull and Verstappen refused to give any interviews to Sky all weekend, basically because Ted Kravitz said some mean stuff they didn't like. Said, said some facts. And, well, so to be fair, I've seen someone who's like gone back and written down like just some quotes from Ted over this season. And if I work for Red Bull, I wouldn't be Ted Crowe's biggest fan because Ted clearly has an agenda and he doesn't miss many chances to bring up the fact that he thinks Lewis Hamilton was cheated out of a world championship. But at the same time, like you're a professional sports team. Are you really going to throw your toys out of the pram because Jolly Pitt reporter said some mean things like... Yeah. I mean, they're never going to speak to us on that account. <laughs> well, I know, right? Like, <laughs> we all know Ted just his mouth moves faster than his brain a lot of the time. Like, he talks some nonsense. Just like, I, f- I just think like some of the thing, some of the sort of words that Red Bull are using in in this sort of whole scenario is like you know lack of respect and things like that. It's like, who do you think you are? Like, I think what they mean is lack of well, fear of scrutiny is what it is. I think that's mm. what it is a lot of the time. Mm. But I think that you know, that, let's let's face it. Like, there's been a few situations over the last what eighteen months where they they can certainly be called into question in in a number of areas, and it should be like it, Ted Ted wouldn't be doing his job if he wasn't providing commentary on that you know like that's he's a journalist and yeah. his job is to is to point out facts and if you don't like them then don't don't break the rules i mean <laughs> as well if you went back over the last 10 years and recorded every single statement out of christian horner's mouth i guarantee you he said equally incriminating things towards other teams and worse so yeah, I mean, yeah, the fact that he, you he's know, just threatening teams with le- threatening people with legal action over like speculation. Yeah, it, and again, it's politics, like, man. Like people to, say stuff. To be fair, like Sky Sports in the UK are horrifically partisan and pro Hamilton. Oh, they they're ma- massively so. But if you watch Dutch TV, I'm sure it's very very pro Max Verstappen. Yeah, totally. and yeah. If you watch Italian TV, it's all going to be very pro Ferrari. It's like kind of par for the course. I guess. And... I guess the bit where that crosses into the realms of a little more, um, 
I don't even know what the word is like. Makes it less easy to stomach. Uh, yeah, the, the 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 point that it's a little bit maybe too much is the fact that most of that Sky Sports coverage is considered the world feed and it's broadcast well, it yeah. globally. Yeah, like not all of it is. It's the, it's the not all of it is, feed. but yeah, like the vast majority of race in like content within the race from the moments the lights go out to the checkered flag that coverage anything said in there to the english speaking world is officially yeah. like before that, formula 1 basically. i'll tell you exactly what it is it's it's from um the theme from the end of the theme tune yeah to when they show the points table it's where you've got the, the it's like the theme music and where you sort of grid graphic starts isn't it and yeah. the rundown of the grid before the that's, formation so lap that's, that's, that's kind of where it kicks and in martin and, well yeah. not ted but yeah. martin and, and um crofty yeah i think i think in that that, in that scenario like the actual sort of race coverage i think they should do their best to be impartial because that is a world feed for basically Mm -hmm. anyone watching who whose country or or otherwise chooses not to have their own broadcast such as what's provided in holland and, and elsewhere so like in my opinion that section should be doing its best to remain impartial and commentate on the facts and the the actual goings on which to be fair for the most part they have it's only in these last couple of seasons that it's become a bit more controversial and it's not necessarily for me what they say it's sometimes more how it's said Oh come on! And this is (laughs) no, it is. I mean, I am sick to the back teeth of David Croft so much so that I use the services that I use to avoid him and go listen to Will Buxton and whoever else is on. And I'll tell you what, I I much prefer Will Buxton calling out F1 and the FIA directly for actual cock ups than I do Crofty trying to fit some weird Black Sabbath reference into a (laughs) into a broadcast that nobody under 45 really cares about that's a fair point (laughs) on trend references for the kids just to get this back on track though i think like a lot of you know a lot of like the rhetoric from red bull leading back to um to to ted is to do with ted's notebook and yeah which is not not, and that's fine to do with the world exactly exactly yeah i don't have i don't have as much of a problem with it there because for me, that's Sky UK's own um, content that they're, they're putting out. They're not like acting as a sort of, I guess, global ambassador at that point. That's a Sky Sports program for Sky Sports. In the same way that on F1 TV, you've got Tech Talk, which is Sam Collins and somebody else. I can't remember uh, who else normally does it. Scarbs, yeah, Scarbs does a yeah. lot of it. So it's usually them two. And it's a very similar principle of, here's a new front wing, here's what it's trying to do da, 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 da. like same same principle um well that's very techy isn't it that, that's not really... it's, it's definitely more tech led of... than the the walking up and down race summary that ted does yeah um, the thing ted's doing is kind of like a it's, it's a really broad stroke summary and it's it's, it's really yeah. it's editorial it's what he thinks it's edi- what it is let's call it what it is it's editorial right yeah it's not the... necessarily sky's view it's not necessarily you know the the one thousand you know the the perfect facts of a situation it's one man's opinion because it's it's his notebook it's basically yeah. edited as well it's just it's literally just give it ted just a walks. microphone and a cameraman yeah. and mm. say talk for an hour i i feel like it has become more 
um, opinionated though over the years. Like I do remember a time where literally it was him going down the grid from the bottom end to the front end and he would literally stop at each garage and be like, okay, we're at Alpha Tauri. Like, Here's not a bad race for them today. Yeah. They finished here, finished here. Point uh, Penalty for Gasly for that incident. Like, he'd just cover the, literally the race facts. And if there was someone milling around from the team or whatever, he might stick a mic under their nose and go, what did you think? Yeah. Da, da, da. And, but generally show. speaking, it was literally just kind of what we do at the top of the show. You like you run yeah. through the facts of the race. And I don't watch it anymore, so I can't comment on what's been said recently because I don't even know what he said. But the fact that he's blown it's... up the way it has is ridiculous. Yeah, and I think so the... same things like Hamilton was robbed, I think, and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think the change in it is it's similar with the grid walk as well. It's kind of the the sky sportsification of it all. Like the, the mm-hmm. grid walk, you, you know, a bit, obviously the grid walk's been around for as long as Martin Brundle's been doing stuff. He's on ITV, it was on BBC. And it was always just like, oh, we'll throw Martin to do his thing now. And Ted's notebook used to just be like, oh, we'll cut to Ted and he'll talk for a while. But now it's like, they've got their little intro graphics for it. And like yeah. every, every Monday on YouTube, it's like Martin's hilarious grid walk. It's like, just let it be its own thing. Like, it you don't need well, got, producers got, like sticking their got, oaring. Just let these things be their own thing. You don't need to force it, and it feels you have you have very social forced. media. You have social media to thank for that. Got to get yeah, them clear. And, for, and for, for and sorry, Ferrari and Formula One are, are exactly the same. Like every every little inane thing that happens in Formula One, yeah, becomes a Twitter video. Because it's all about yes, yeah, some you know thin crypto this, something um, crypto overtake <laughs> king. <laughs> is what they called it and it's the person who did the most overtakes in the race oh, i remember that's, vettel last that's year like content do I, do I win a million jelly beans yeah yeah exactly. you know, like <laughs> stuff like that and it's i get you like i'm not going to sit here like and be an old man and complain about social media and, and things but i do think I, I agree with you both i think like a lot of a lot of the content that gets created is very it's not very self-aware is it it's very let's make a huge point of this thing that's that let's make this into a thing they're constantly trying to make nothing into, into a thing yeah yep. and it is what, what it's, it's a bit boring it is a bit boring especially it when is. there's so much coverage of formula one out there in the world as it is but the the flip side of it is they have to do it because if they didn't do it it'd all show up on on um uh, Reddit and yeah, that's true. Everywhere else, anyway. So they're just trying. All they're doing is like they're making the co- things happen, and they're trying to get their money's worth out of out of their product. Yeah, ultimately, um, Sky pay a lot of money for for Formula One, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where it kind of like becomes a little bit more, I think, a bit bad because Sky have paid for their product, right? So yeah. part of that deal is that they do get to make arrangement with teams and the expectation is that they have equal access to everyone. So for one team to turn around to Sky and say, we don't like what you're doing, we're not going to give you interviews anymore, is kind of, it's a bit silly because it it, it takes the value away from Formula One's product. So really all Red Bull are hurting are themselves and Formula One by doing this because they're devaluing the product from the whole. I'll say this though, just to kind of wrap that up a little bit. If I, having sat through all of that race, not having to hear 
a nail down to Christian Horner on the pit wall. Mm-hmm. If I never have to hear that sentence ever again, it'll be too soon. That's the irony, irony in it, isn't it? Is the fact that Sky are obsessed with talking to Christian Horner and yeah, he's basically Christian, taken that away from them and Sky are livid about it. Sky are absolutely and Christian livid Horner clearly that he's done loves that. the sound of his own voice as well because he's, he's got any yeah. chance to pop up, he's normally there. It's like it's they're both so weird. cutting off their noses to spite their faces. Like it's Sky are like... very petty, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's children in the schoolyard. Like, uh, oh, well, he uh, said a mean thing about me. It's like, yeah. well, we said a mean thing about you because you did a mean thing to that guy. <laughs> like, grow up. Be it's adults in an adult yeah. sport. Well, I think, this again, you've kind of hit the nail on the head there because it's fast becoming a, a playground Formula One, isn't it? It's, it's not mm-hmm. really, it's not been, it's, there's been a, it's been a while now where things aren't very grown up, I think, especially at the top of Formula One, like the way some of the, teams that it's not just red bull like mercedes as well that have been part of it like they just seem to all get sucked into this kind of toxicity where they're all just like ripping each other to shreds Mm -hmm. and in fact weirdly ferrari lately have been the only team that have been quite quiet and just sort of got their head down and got on with it yeah so weirdly refreshing be more like ferrari please yeah (laughs) <laughs> Whereas, never thought you'd hear us like that, that I've never left Stu's mouth and probably <laughs> never will again we've all got a bit old man yells at cloud here so shall we uh, yeah. move some predi- some predictions yeah did we actually give the WTF to anything there by the way <laughs> or did we just go rant about the I think we, we we ranted for the longest time about Red Bull and Ted <laughs> so I guess we'll just apply it there <laughs> okay let's do that uh, yes it's time to visit predictions um, and uh, then Grid Rival in a moment, because as per usual, Grid Rival do sponsor our predictions section, so we will get to that in just a moment. Um, in terms of predictions, there is a very brief announcement to make about the fact that some of you may have more or less points than you potentially thought you had um, last week, because due to Alonso's penalty being appealed successfully, it changes the finishing position of Pierre Gasly, who was our random driver. So the people who got points for that position don't necessarily have them anymore, and people who had him in his now finishing position have the points. So those adjustments have been made. I think somebody did ask on a social media platform, so making everybody aware that adjustment has been made. But more importantly, on to the Mexican GP, which I was terrified with Max Verstappen as a random driver in the form he was in, we were going to get made bankrupt again by five out <laughs> of fives. But luckily, people couldn't pair the first DNF with that four. Um, so a huge number of fours for, I think, pretty obvious reasons. <laughs> um, but most of them are missing the first DNF, which was Yuki Tsunoda. And those that did have Yuki Tsunoda as first DNF were um, not conservative enough in their number of finishes. So far too many of you to list. I'm afraid you'll have to go to the website and take a look if you want to see your exact position. But a huge number of people scoring points and I'm genuinely not surprised. Um, another week of multiple hundreds of people scoring points. Um, overall in the standings for this season, um, Jana Berger sits at the top on 33 points. John Murphy sits in second on 32.5 points. And then Jim Bob Blair and Gareth Howells are sharing third with 32 points each. So there is literally a point between the top four there. 
with two races to go. Jeez. That wow. that title so is on the line. That is so exciting. And as we probably say about this every year, if only the driver's title <laughs> was like this. <laughs> Imagine. Shame. Um, moving over to Grid Rival, as I did mention it before, um, we have uh, Green Lantern Corps kind of back in form. A little bit of a slip uh, in the last week or two that I kind of poked at because it's the only chance I get to poke fun at um, at their team. But the only person to score over 1,000 points this week in Grid Rival. So 1,062 points for Green Lantern Corps. The Wingmen were second with 999 and 80s Pac-Man was third <laughs> with 90, uh, 986 points. Uh, in terms of biggest movers, we've got... Um, We've got B Surrey um, had the best contract ratio, should I say, not movers. And the biggest mover, I apologise, um, was four quad with 29 places gained. So people still moving quite aggressively up and down that leaderboard. Um, there's a lot of play, And somebody, I think it was Mr. X, fell a number of places again. Mr. X, I think you need to um, check your team. Make sure your contract's up. Yo-yoing. Okay. Yes. Very much so. My team is pretty much set for the remainder of the season now as I set them for this race with three race contracts. So I only have one think, or two changes to make. I think my almost my entire team will um, exit us before the final race of the season. So that could be really good or really bad for me. I yeah. wish I had and, uh, time. I wish I had time to yeah. do like, <laughs> three different fantasy leagues. <laughs> And Kilowog, who runs Green Lantern Corps in the chat, is telling me, you should be changing drivers weekly, Tom, regardless of their contract status. I mean, that is that is where it turns from being fantasy to um, stocks really? trading. Like trying, yeah, to job. Short, trying to buy drivers shorted and then get them to increase in value yeah. and selling them off or but vice like versa. I think that's the cool thing about Grid Rival is like it gives you the option. You can to do, do that, that, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, we, like, before this turns into a full on advertisement, let's. <laughs> do, we, um, do we have news to cover? Are we doing that before we do inbox or are we doing um, inbox? I mean, the, the big bit of news is also in the inbox, so let's just do it. Okay. okay. I, will, I will hit that magical button. Uh, keep me saying now. Stay, stay up. Right, who wants to open the can of worms and read the first question? You're talking, Uh, you do it. it. (laughs) All right, McCheco, our Discord resident Red Bull superfan, is the one that's opening the, uh, (laughs) the can of worms for us. Who says, hey man, now the dust has settled and we have had time to review the findings from CostCapGate 2021. How do you feel about the breaches, their respective punishments, and do you feel Red Bull Racing were fairly labelled as cheats by some of their competitors? And then Ali Walker adds, should Red Bull's financial penalty be deducted from their cost cap or evenly distributed to the other teams? I can't understand why the FIA are walking away from this with $7 million. <laughs> That's a good point, because actually. that benefits they the, the FIA. They can. Yeah, they um, can. So I guess let's like just do the facts quickly before we yeah. get into it. So... Red Bull entered into a accepted breach agreement with the FIA, which basically is, yes, we admit we did this. So initially, the 
the reveal was that the cost cap was breached by 1.8 million pounds, which is about 1.6% of the cost cap. But the FIA said they acknowledged that Red Bull had applied the correct treatment within its four-year reporting documentation of their notional tax credit within its submission uh, to a value of 1.4 million, and therefore they exceeded the cap by 432,000, which is only 0.37%. So essentially... Red Bull were basically done on breaching the cost cap and doing their paperwork bad, which is the same thing that Aston Martin were done on. And the bad paperwork side of it was them um, misreporting tax credits and stuff around tax. So once the FIA had fixed their bad paperwork, the actual leftover over the budget cap value was $432,000, which is... I'd say 0.37% of the cost cap. And it's worth As a pointing result, out that the, 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 the total of the errors that they made actually came up to about five point something million, but they actually got so much wrong that yeah. they had by the, the FIA had to basically fix over five and a half millions worth of mistakes. Yeah. Is they that, never, is the gist of it. I don't think they ever said how much the Aston Martin one was like messed up by, did they? They just said that. Yeah. It was wrong, and I think they had they had a pretty small find in the Aston Martin. Uh, it, I think we K, I think. kind yeah. of talked about it a little bit privately. Where I said the thing with all of this is, whatever went on at Aston Martin's kind of just got brushed under the carpet and gone under the radar <laughs> yeah. because of this. So we like nobody's really thought to dig into the Aston Martin one because well, I think everyone's been concerned with this. The Aston Martin one though is clear; it's the same as the Williams one a few months ago. It's just procedural; like it's yeah. not that big of a deal. Like they've just either filed some paperwork wrong or like missed a deadline. Yeah, yeah. Missed a deadline, the Williams like one, that. yeah. Like yeah, the Williams was a deadline. The, the Aston yeah. one is going to be something like that because the fine is like similar, I think, as well. Yeah, me. it was just so, misreporting, basically, getting the paperwork wrong. Yeah. Um, and but yes, like, as a result of all of it, Red Bull have been fined $7 million and their wind tunnel and CFD allocation has been reduced by 10%. It's worth, yeah, so it's worth adding. <laughs> so there's the sliding scale thing that Stu was talking about earlier. So the better you do, the less time you get. And the 10% reduction is 10% of the 70% they've already got. So actually, it's only a 70% reduction, which is why they apply the penalty to the sliding scale amount and not the total amount. Seems a very strange way to apply that penalty. Yeah, it should all, but, be, it should all just be calculated at the same time. Yeah, exactly. I was saying when we were talking about it, when the news first came out. Um, yeah, so the, what they've done there is once again contorted themselves to give them a slightly <laughs> lighter penalty than what they yeah. maybe should have. So yeah, that's, that, that, is, that is the end of it. That is the line drawn under it. So what do we think? I think Red Bull need a better accountant slash bookkeeper for submitting this cost report <laughs> if they were that far out with the way that their taxes work. Yeah. They need someone that well, understands taxes. <laughs> I think, no, I think, I think um, Red Bull need to build a bigger buffer into their, um, into their procedure for, for filing this return. So a lot of the other teams, like literally every other team on the grid has sort of a few million, they'll only spend up to sort yeah. of about 3 million below the actual cost cap so that they know that they can sleep at night and, know that they haven't gone over the limit and i think maybe what red bull in classic red bull fashion have probably gone right up to the limit of that rule Mm -hmm. 
as much as they can, which is, you know, which is valid. It's what it's formula one and, and Mm -hmm. margins are fine. Um, and I think they've obviously gone over that limit without necessarily intending to go over it. But, um, I mean, they've gone over it. They've spent more money than anyone else on their car and they absolutely need to be penalized because there's no point having this rule set if you're not going to, if you're not going to punish teams and you know, that's a lot of money, still a lot of money that they've gone over, you know, it's still a significant sort of amount of development, weight reduction, aero time, coffees for journalists, whatever (laughs) it is. Like it's, it's a lot. I did find it egregious how Christian Horner did say to the media, Oh, every time we, every time you came around and had a coffee, that's we're that comes out of our cost cap. And it's like, well, don't give people coffee. Yeah. The money that you were spending on coffees, maybe spend that on developing your car and don't give people coffee. You imagine Toto just going around spamming the coffee machine to take them over budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. F you, Christian. F you. Accountants are like, how have we spent ten million on coffee? <laughs> we can cover this up in tax. We can cover this up in tax. Let's do it. <laughs> and I think, like, that's the weird thing is it's like 432,000, you know, oh, yeah, it's only 0.37%. But <laughs> there are, te- you know, teams like Williams and Haas, they are spending less than the budget cap by way more than that. So, like, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's still a hugely significant amount of money. Um there's there's another factor to this as well and that's the fine. The fine's only 7 million. Now by coming first and not second, the the different the, the differential there in in prize money is way more than 7 mm-hmm. million. So again, like it it's kind of not really doing much to discourage this behavior i think maybe because this is the first time it's happened maybe they are being a little bit less harsh than they should or maybe you know if some people might argue maybe because it's red bull they're being a little bit less harsh i don't know but um that's not for me to say i think the the ultimate the ultimate issue here is should the should does the punishment fit the crime right and i think there's, yeah. there's a mixed opinion across formula one like a lot of people it's... think it does fit the crime a lot of people think it, it... doesn't I think given where they've ended up compared to where people were assuming they'd be in terms of, you know, how much over they are, I think that we're somewhere in the right kind of ballpark, but there's still things that need to be fixed about this, like in the sense that that wind tunnel reduction needs to be being taken off at the same time as the championship position. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it should be they they would have been on seventy percent. They should be on sixty yeah. percent. It shouldn't be a ten percent reduction of what's left. It should be a ten percent reduction at the same time that your championship like bias is adjusted, yeah. or, or however you mad, want to phrase that process. The mad thing about doing like that is let it's let's say it's what eighth place is what they call a hundred percent of the okay. of the CFD time. It means that. If if you apply it after you've done the adjustments, it means that if you break the budget cap and come eighth, you get more of a penalty than if yeah. you oh. break the budget cap and win. Exactly. Which doesn't make any sense. Like it's yeah. the opposite of how it should be. Yeah. Dumb, isn't and it? Yeah. P- potentially the other thing in my opinion should be that the fine this goes kind of back yeah. to what Stu was saying about the prize money. The fine should potentially be percentage driven of your prize pool, essentially. Like, 
mm-hmm. it's a it's a ten percent reduction in your prize pool because, well, like, I, you're I penalizing so. the teams that have actually, like, achieved something by cheating more. Yeah, but I, I think yeah. to expand on your point here, like, the issue the issue I have with it is is more that like this fine has come about. First of all, let's let's look at the let's look exclusively at the fine for just a second, and just point out some issues that we have with it so the first one is seven million is not enough to deter if you're expecting second in the championship you know you can you now know that you can spend 400 million sorry four hundred thousand pounds over your um over your budget and only get fined seven million right so Mm -hmm. you're going to get that money back because you've gained a position in the championship the next thing is that money isn't going to come out of your budget for next year so despite the aero testing restriction and all that kind of thing you can still put money into you know where you where you would put money into aero testing now you wouldn't put that money in because you just simply don't have the time to spend it so you put it into things like weight reduction suspension all that kind of stuff you know this cars aren't purely aero driven they're aero heavy obviously and they have been for many years it's common knowledge but I think a lot of the areas where Red Bull particularly have made up a lot of their time this season is by weight reduction, by making that car as yeah. light as they possibly can. I mean, nearly every car on that grid is still overweight and Red Bull is probably the only one which isn't. Um, what other issues do we have with it? The fact, So the fact that it hasn't come out of the the budget cap for next year means that they they're still going to have it's basically a non-punishment, you know? Like, yeah, it's not that's... like that's... It's not going to hit them at all. They're not going to feel this punishment. The seven million is just pocket money to Red Bull. That's the biggest problem, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it, it's literally pocket change for them. And and again, to, to go back to the... Applying the same thing to different teams, if you penalise a team that already doesn't meet the budget cap, seven million, then that money is money they can't spend on their car next year because they're yeah. already not hitting the budget cap. Team like Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, they're already hitting the budget cap and they've got millions and millions to spare that they can't spend. So just find them $7 million out of the pool of money that's nothing to do with car development. He's completely yeah. meaningless. Yeah. It, it has the, to come out of the budget cap. These teams be... are making profit every year. Yeah. And nearly yeah. every other team is making a loss. Most other teams are either breaking even or making a loss. Ferrari, Red Bull, Mercedes are making massive profits from just from sponsorship revenue alone, purely because the budget cap has been introduced. So yeah. their leg- the legacy of their sponsorship deals with all these sort of big companies and the value of the product they have, which is exposure on, on the world scene via F1, means that they make so much money out of it and from their success, they make so much money out of it that they've got they've got cash to spare. They're putting money into the savings account every <laughs> so, year. The starting world endurance teams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just looking away at the um the comment Jose is making in chat saying that the punishment should be that they have to cav- carry the equivalent amount of overspend in weight for the following season. <laughs> so four hundred and twenty five thousand dollars or pounds, whatever it is. In single dollar bills of weight added to the car. <laughs> <laughs> now that would be a punishment. That would be fun. <laughs> um, I think, like, if we're going to sort of conclude our own sort of feelings on this, like, where let let's sort of say where do where do where does each of us stand? It, for for me, it's uh, the the penalties are around about okay 
if you apply them differently. I think the things that need to be different is that penalty needs to be a reduction in the following year's cost cap and that the aero time needs to be deducted at the same time as the rest of any deductions for their championship position, yeah. not afterwards, because that stops it being a weird sliding scale. I think you apply those two penalties slightly differently. I'd be, I'd consider myself sort of happy that a 400k overspend has been dealt with. So as a one word answer, are you satisfied? No. Um, Chris, what you, what's, um, what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I broadly agree with Tom, I think. Um, the 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 amount of money I think I I expected it to be a much bigger fine, and I think the fine has to come out of the cost cap for it to mean anything. The the winter and CFD time was in the ballpark I expected. I, I was expected mm. to be ten, maybe fifteen percent tops. It was the most Red Bull agreed to, and you know we've we've sort of talked about how it, oh it's only seven percent and it should be whatever, but. Don't underestimate how big a hit that is to Red Bull. Like yeah. losing that much time when they're already on reduced time compared to the rest of the grid is going to hurt them. Like that's going to be a big hit to their car development over the next 12 months. But again, it's, yeah, I, I agree with Tom. It's like, I, I, it could have been a reasonable penalty had they applied it in a more sensible fashion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so satisfied, yes or no? No. Um, okay, and I think my feeling on it, I'm kind of, I'm half satisfied, but I'm certainly not fully satisfied. I think again, I agree with most of what you're saying. I'm, I'm not sure I agree that it, 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 it will have that massive an impact on Red Bull in terms of aerodynamics because I think they'll just have to be more selective with what they do. So they'll have less sort of experiment really like hyper experimental stuff and much more just they'll have a more focused development i think as yeah. a result of it but that's I don't right i think it'll put them to yeah it is right but i don't that, think that's that's necessarily... the aim of the punishment isn't it is that they can't go be experimental about what they want to do with aero they've got to focus very particular upgrades and if they don't work they've run out of air tunnel air that's winter true, time that's i think that's tough. when you've got the greatest aerodynamic minds in formula one and in well in the world then it's a lot less, I think. It's just it just means True. they're gonna think a lot harder, I think. What's, They'll still um, like the things they test will still be powerful. What's the odds on twelve months from now we're sat here talking about the uh the scandal of Red Bull finding a loophole to do more arrow testing than they were <laughs> supposed to. Yeah. Like, just send I mean, it all to Alpha Tower. <laughs> lit- dude, <laughs> loopholes like, on loopholes on loopholes. Yeah, but there there will be loopholes around for them to exploit. There's no doubt about it. No there rule set is are. perfect, is there? No. Um, yeah. But yeah, overall, nah, I'm not really satisfied for all the reasons you guys said. Yeah, I, I wish yeah. they'd just been sensible in their implementation of what punishment they have given. Like, I think they could have kept the world's media and the world's F1 audience much less. They could have made them a lot less rowdy, and they could have done a lot to sort of heal a lot of the. Not that, not necessarily that. That's what this is about, but they. They certainly haven't done the toxic environment of Formula One fandom, fandom, fan. Oh, I can't speak fandom. Much, much good. I think with this punishment, I think it should no. have been maybe. I don't necessarily think it should have been that much harsher. I just think it should have been implemented properly. It's, yeah, it's one hundred percent. I think that 
in terms of the amounts, I don't think I'm that far off where where I'd expect to see them. It's 100% the way that those fines and penalties are being applied. And it it comes back to, like, I don't know, compare it to the sort of Checo behind the safety car getting away with doing it three times and only getting penalised yeah. for it once. It's that kind of thing of... Or, or penalising... Um, Leclerc like immediately because they don't want it to affect the end of that race. Like, yeah, it, do you know what I mean? It, it's about it's about the, not the penalty, the way it's applied. And exactly, yeah. yeah. I think that's that's the main it's problem. Bit, the the, pe- bit the people, too loose, the, bit loose. Yeah, the, the people who are really aggrieved, saying that the penalty is nowhere near good enough, will never be happy unless. Red Bull are thrown they, out of the championship for good yeah. because they have an agenda in exactly yeah. the same way that the people think this is a ridiculous penalty. It should have been nothing. It's only four hundred thousand uh, dollars. Exactly the same for the for being the other way. Like they will never be pleased unless Mercedes are thrown out of the championship <laughs> so that Red Bull don't have any competition. Like th- those far ends of the spectrum, you will never please. But I think for the most most of us that sit quite healthfully in the middle with our own sort of personal favourites but sensible minds would say it's about right, but they sure as hell need to apply it in a better ma- in a better method. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's not the rule, it's the execution. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. For sure. Right. Can okay. we draw a line under it? How, how Let's long draw do you a think line. we can draw a line under it for? Depend, depends what else is in inbox, Chris. Depends yeah. what else is in inbox. It's... It is like, it's hard, isn't it, at the minute? Um, next question is from someone whose name is Max. Um, and they ask, what do you think about the gamey nature of engine components? I.e., it is against the rules with a punishment for doing so, but teams view it as a punishment worth taking to get a better engine. Would you rather the engine components cap be raised with harsher punishment on taking engines above that, i.e. large fines, point reductions, etc.? Or is the system fine as it is? As a further supplemental, mm-hmm. would you classify those as taking additional engines under the current system as cheats in inverted commas? To me, it feels like they should be classified as cheats in inverted commas. But this current engine for grid place bargaining system is so ingrained in the sport that it's a mere game mechanic. Um, we we can't we touched on this last week, didn't we? Oh, we did a little, yeah. Week before. Yeah, we've yeah, def- we've definitely mentioned the fact that like I'm surprised people don't consider that cheating. Um, I mean, it's to, an to read, one. I think I may have said a couple of weeks ago that it actually was cheating. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's breaking the rules. Yeah, yeah. which which is by definition cheating. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The definition of cheating is to do something contrary to the rules in order to be ad- you know, take advantage. That is yeah. what cheating yeah. is. And that is what that is. It's a, okay, this is a track that's all about power. Let's take a brand new engine, take the penalty and go to the back because we know that there's this mile-long straight that we can just blast <laughs> yeah. down and retake all the positions that we're going to lose anyway. That is cheating, <laughs> I, well, realistically. I, think, I, I said, I, I think I said this last time that we did this and it was it's kind of like it's accepted cheating almost, isn't it? It's widely, yeah. there's, there's a difference between sort of the egregious kind of cheating where it's kind of like done, you know, you're trying to, everyone's trying to find a way around the rules, right? That's Formula One. That's the way it is. Everyone wants to gain an advantage. 
there's various reasons for that. And a lot of them are around the FIA being weak and not being able to implement their own rule set properly, but, <laughs> and, and having too much wiggle room, but there's another side of it. And we, again, we spoke about this last week. So go back and, and or week before um, and go week back before, and listen to that one. So if you, here, if you need some more, but um, the, the sort of sanction side of it, the sanction side of cheating, which is the, I'm going to take a new engine the flip side of that is if they don't take a new engine they don't run so yeah that's kind which we of, don't you know, want and you'd rather they were running you'd rather they were in the race and there's the fact that they know what the punishment's going to be before they take it and i think that's where yeah, people sometimes have issues it. because it it means you can game the system and i think that's yeah. what makes if we go back immediately to the to the um cost no. <laughs> If, said no if, if, every, if no if everyone <laughs> if everyone knew the what what the outcome what you know what the exact punishments were going to be in the exact in the same way so you know you know how many grid place mm. penalties you're going to get for what engine component you take if you know that you go, can go only go over by if you go over by 500,000 then you're going to get a 7% of your wind <laughs> yeah. tunnel time can... taken and a 7 million fine then you can work that into your strategy for the season if you don't necessarily know how you're going to be punished, then you're taking a really, really big gamble. And yeah. again, we said this all in the in the last episode. And it, by by making those rules sort of th- those outcomes opaque, then you discourage that risk taking because you don't know you you can't engineer into your season that you are going to break the rules in the same way that yeah. you're doing yeah. with thing. So cheating is a strong word. Cheating. This the. I think what Red Bull have done, they've probably flown a bit close to the sun. Would I call it really? Would I truly call it cheating? Probably not. I think it's it's part of part of the game. Um, the engines, again, like if if you were to if anyone who's calling, if you're calling Red Bull cheats for breaking the cost cap rules, then you call in every team that breaks a engine penalty gets an engine penalty a cheat. Yeah, like I think I think it's cheating on the same level that. When you watch football slash soccer, whatever it is in your part of the world, and the player sticks his arm up for, that's our ball ref when it's gone out for a throw-in, knowing full well he's the last player that's kicked it. (laughs) Or corner ref when he knows full well he's the player that's kicked it behind the goal, not the defender. It's cheating on that level of like, I know the rules and I know the outcome. I'm going to just try and sort of take advantage of it to the Mm best. You know, like the worst case scenario is I don't get the corner. The best case scenario is I get the corner. Like I mean, it, it depends it, which side of it you're on, isn't it? As well, if you're yeah. if you're on the if you're on the victim side of it, it's cheating. If you're on the on the if you're the person doing the cheating, then it's exactly. Just the system. Yeah, and, and as well, just just go back to your point, Stu, of the differences with the grid penalties. They know where they're going to end up. Half of the time, we don't even know that because that many teams <laughs> yeah. take that many different component penalties at the same time. The, yeah. the driver themselves literally tweet ironically does anyone know where i'll start on the grid yeah. tomorrow and, and, and as well where's the line <laughs> like where where's the line and while we're talking about lines you know the white line like well if yeah. you go over if you go over the line if you if you literally if you drive yeah. outside the white lines is that cheating you know sometimes you're sanctioned for it sometimes sometimes you're not sanctioned for it so it's worth taking the risk to see if you're going to be sanctioned to see what happens it, right? 
or, yeah, or, or keep doing it up to the sometimes you know sometimes they know they're going to get a penalty for it but they know they're breaking the rules but they know they're allowed to break the rules you're allowed to cheat yeah. a certain so, number of times before you'll be punished so what, yeah so what we've established is they're all cheating all the time it's just most of it we're okay with because the fia run the rules so poorly that they do did you just get away with it so many times it's essentially what we're agreeing and like the question the, the the sort of the next question i get the natural progression of this is like where's the line like if would we be happy if if the if the fia ran it with an iron fist and said every time you know you're remotely outside the white lines then you're going to get a really really harsh punishment you know like there has to be like a sliding scale well, depending mean, on like the severity of like the issue i suppose isn't it they just need to run it like the ai of the game that's with track limits. Oh God, no! On Don't the game, if you go near Don't that white line, that. it just gives you a black and white flag and says lap deleted, lap deleted. So five five second penalty. Like, just just use then, the AI then, from the game to make these decisions. It's fine. And then you go and then you go and play Gran Turismo because it's way better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other than the sort of laps being deleted last weekend, we haven't really talked about track limits all year which has been great. Like, I think the way that police track limits this year has been, for the most part, really good because he's just been mm. the the lines denote the track. Um, Until on, a Red Bull doesn't go over the track limits and doesn't get punished for it and everyone's up in arms. Yeah, but that but literally last week, I think, was the only time we've talked about that all season. And if you compare that to the previous however many years we've been doing this podcast, it's a pretty huge mm. change. It's yeah, minimal in true. comparison yeah. over the course of a season. On the mm. On the engine side of things... I kind of feel like they need to up the component allocation because, like, yeah. the whole point—the whole point of them having the limited components and reducing it year on year—was that it encourages teams to prioritize um, reliability and build components that are going to last. It looks better for the sport because they're not. You know, gone are the days where they literally had qualifying engines that were built to run a couple of laps in qualifying before they blew up, kind of thing. Yeah, but at the same time, like monsters, they were amazing. Yeah, yeah. But like, we've had more or less the same engine formula for a good number of years now. It's basically not changing until was it twenty twenty six? The next formula yeah. comes in. Yeah. So and it at that 12, point, it gets simpler. Yeah, so like by the time it's, it's marginal gains now. It's diminishing returns. I I don't no no one's going to make the engines any more reliable in a significant way than they already are. It, would it look better for the sport to churn through a few more power unit components a year, but not have so many silly penalties going on? Possibly. I don't think they ever would do that because of the optics of it. But the the problem is, is that they're trying to go both ways with it. They're trying to go less and less allowance when it comes to power unit components but further and further in terms of distance covered in a season like chris i I specifically remember this chris made a point of at some point we'll be we'll be at a point where there's 30 races in a season and then i chipped on the end and said technically next season there is there's 24 races and six sprints and yet the engine allocation doesn't go up in any way compared to what is currently a 23 race season and we had three sprints i think so you're doing four extra races to a degree well next season you've technically got 30 races haven't you including yeah yeah that's what i was saying so So you you need you need more engines 
Yeah. <laughs> Simple you, as that for me. And they, they don't make it to the end of the season with the current number of engines they've got anyway. So you need at least one more in that allocation, realistically, one of each component. More components, yeah, yeah. Not necessarily, yeah. I think, like, internal combustion engines, the, the block ought to be tough enough to to last the distance, I think, these days. You You'd hope we've materials that will do had it, but... internal combustion engines around for long enough now that they've kind of figured them out. Yeah, they've kind of got to grips mm-hmm. with those. Yeah. Um, but I'd say in that, you know, these, I mean, they're prototypes, aren't they? So, yeah, it's true. And they're built with exotic materials that do things that allow them to rotate at ridiculous speeds. That they're they're made with such fine tolerances that mm. it's it, you know it beggars belief like how precise they can they can make these things compared to yeah, like like, a regular cast block. You know, so like when they're cooled down, they seize because the tolerances are so tight. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. So when you think about that, it's a wonder they don't blow up more often, actually. Boring yeah. side note, tolerance is actually a really interesting engineering topic. If you, if anyone's like out there listening to this and wondering about tolerance, go on YouTube and learn about tolerance. It's crazy. <laughs> like the things, the precision, the the precision engineering and like the technology we have is all it all the basis of it all is all the really, really high tolerances that we're able to create these days without tolerance you you don't have sort of you don't have cars if you don't have tolerance it's crazy yeah. it's amazing go and go and go and learn about tolerance and in the meantime i'll read the next question uh Kilowog says are we finally seeing the shine come off of the the vaunted mercedes strategy vaunted i don't even know that word that is outside my vo- my vocab vaunted so. is um it, it it's sort of Word of the day. Revered, revered. Yeah. Praised or boasted about, especially in an excessive way. Thanks, Dictionary Corner. (laughs) So are we finally (laughs) seeing the shine come off the praised or boasted about in a particular sort of way, Mercedes strategy and championship race team, now that that they don't have the best car in the field? Their refusal throughout the year to hear real-time info from their drivers and adjust strategy accordingly smacks of a holier-than-thou where champions we we know best attitude that has clearly impacted on their race approach. Constructors' points over winning chances. Uh, yeah, taking taking the, the team points rather than specific individual points. That's referring yeah. to. Uh, and then he also just adds, is this just the true skill of Mercedes once the field has overall been levelled? No, because the field isn't level, for one. And two, the I think surely it's Mercedes' job as a team to win as many constructors' points as they got. So the point of holier than thou and caring more about the team more than the drivers that that's that's mercedes job this year is to care more about the team and the drivers because they need to i think when i think that's the aim of the game yeah i think that though is maybe you're linking the two too specifically compared to what killer okay. saying i don't i don't know like to, to me yes they are way too untrusting of the driver opinion in my opinion right now like if if a driver wants to let, let let's look at it this way i haven't got the thing in front of me anymore but at the time that george russell was arguing with the team to say i would like to try and go further so i can go to softs and stay on them you literally had the ferrari still out on softs and you had other cars further down the grid out on softs so there was some tangible evidence that a 
a set of soft tires could go uh, 30 i think it was laps at the time somewhere in that ballpark so there was there was tangible evidence to the point that if george russell could get to lap 40 or beyond doing 30 on the softs to end the race on a lower fuel load on a rubbered in track was plausible and they chose to instead of attempt that completely just ignore him yeah. and shut him out and I mean, I they should have they should have known that all that it, anyway that's what i mean they like they should have known what the other teams that went did it the other way and the other teams that did it the same way knew yeah. like the data is oh, yeah. overall there for everyone so i think the holier than now we know best it's for the good of the team i think that attitude is stinks a bit to be honest when they've got the drivers that they have giving them the live this is the feedback in the same way that red bull were discussing with verstappen about his tires because verstappen was basically like saying that you know my tires are on the limits like i am really struggling to turn in because of the state of the front left and they left him out and they left him out like ultimately there's there's a line to be drawn of like when you ask the driver to kind of get that little bit more and when you're completely shutting them down i think red bull treaded that line just about right of we understand max we're you know we're, we're working out the strategy and he did like what two maybe three laps the the thing with george was kind of just it, the first time he asked it was nope it's not happening no, and then they argued with him about it for like four yeah. laps. Like we've, he we've just talked... went on far too long. Over the last two seasons, we've talked a few times about the tendency for Mercedes to be like strategy computer says this is what we do, and we don't mm. doubt the strategy computer kind of thing. They're definitely a lot less flexible than, particularly than Red Bull. Um, yeah, we've seen I, a number I, of races where that's come through as well. Like Turkey a couple of years ago, last year Turkey was it? Or the year before that, where they—I think that was the first time we talked about like the yeah. the strategy computer says we do this, even though it blatantly was the wrong thing to do. I, th- I think the last couple of seasons have proved that Mercedes are exceptionally good, near unbeatable at winning from the front. But when it comes to like a, a closer fight, Red Bull—that there's no team even close to Red Bull. I don't think in terms of strategic now, it's like they are unbelievably good at that side of things and i definitely think the last couple of years have maybe showed up some of mercedes um like deficit in that department yeah i agree with you i agree with you both i but i think i think it's unfair to call it sort of um what you're calling mercedes pig-headed for trusting their resources (laughs) like and there's, there's, there is, there is a balance. I, I yeah. admit there is a balance between trusting what the driver's telling you and trusting what you comp- what the computer's telling you. Um, but I, they put a lot of faith in their strategy team, right? There's a, you know, there's still like bags of meat sat at those computers, like determining those calls and making the calls, and they do work very incredibly well as a team. So when it does work, it works great for them. But yeah. I think uh, one, it needs one to be element more collaborative. of this is true based on what you're saying there it needs to be more of a collaboration and i think that's what other teams do a lot better than mercedes mercedes sort of 
eight. <laughs> like, you've got one extreme to the other end, which is Ferrari, which is, would you like plan A or B or C or D or E or F? <laughs> Question. It's like, like, that's just wrong way, the other way completely. A million strategies and asking the driver to pick a random letter. And then you've got Mercedes the other way, which is, we don't care what your feedback is on track. The strategy team have said this, so we're sticking to it. Yeah. Red Bull, to me, in that overall thing, sort of, they've got a really excellent strategy team, but they do also take into consideration what the feedback from the driver is. So the and I think that's is... the balance you've got to have. The difference is Red Bull are battle hardened when it comes to this stuff. Like they've been yeah. fighting with other teams. They've been yeah. making a lot of strategy calls against other teams to absolutely maximize their results. Whereas Mercedes have, have let's be honest, a few years or until last year, they had it quite easy. And yeah. it's only this last couple of years where there've been real strategic battles going on that they've probably come a cropper a little bit more often than maybe they might have if their competition wasn't so stiff. Mm -hmm. And they're definitely not, there's definitely like a chink in their armor here, which is that, like like Tom says, Red Bull are very very good at making those. But and you, Chris, you said very good at making those calls in the heat of the, the battle, in the heat of the race, yeah. in the heat of the moment. And Mercedes have just maybe maybe lacking that ability to just take take their take take what the drivers are saying and be a bit more adaptable, mm -hmm. I guess. And yeah, I think that's what it is. So if anything, it's a flaw. I wouldn't say it's pig-headed of them. I think it's a it's a it's the fact that they're not battle hardened in yeah. the same way yeah. that Red Bull I, and other teams might be. I think what you've said there as well is what Kilowog was probably referring to with the is it is it just that this is their the level that Mercedes are at when the field is leveled? I think that's kind of I'm I, I'm try not to put words in somebody's mouth but i think the aim of that part of the question is probably more aimed at now mercedes are actually having to re you know reactively fight yeah. on strategy calls Rather are they yeah, yeah. yeah is this mm -hmm. kind of showing where they're truly at compared to when they're out at the front and it's more about what do we just have to do to maintain the lead it's, it's a very it's, different it, environment where, isn't look, it where they're at is where they're at right like yeah the level you know when they were operate when they had a faster car than everyone else they were way way better than everyone else when they've got a, a car that's better than nine of the other teams at the moment then they're better than nine of the other teams at the moment the only team they're not better than in yeah. in in um in mexico is 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 red bull so yeah you know it's not like they're languishing in the like fair enough start of the season they made they made a dog of a car and they had to do lots of things to sort of claw themselves back into the position they're in but let's not pretend that you know first of all let's not pretend that it's a level playing field because it ain't and next let's not pretend that mercedes are crap all of a sudden because they're not <laughs> so yeah no, it might I, I feel like it, it to a lot of people but they're not no I, I think it is just definitely more that it's the way the way that you worded it is probably the better way of putting it which is it's more that the difference is that they're having to make the reactive calls in order to fight for the win compared to making the call that just maintains position. And yeah. that's the difference. And that's kind of almost a luxury Red Bull have now. Like totally. it's where, And like you say, Red Bull have kind of earned the scars, got the notches to say, we've literally gained positions and won races. 
because of yeah, these I mean, decisions. So now they've got the, they've got the, the comp exactly. <laughs> so they you know, they've kind of got go, it easy at the minute. Yeah, go play Motorsport Manager or F1 Manager. I'm sure I've not played F1 Manager, but I'm sure when you've got the quickest car, F1 Manager is the easiest game in the world. Mm -hmm. If you're in the midfield, it's much much more difficult game. Yeah, and yeah, for yeah. sure. And anyone can go away and play that and learn how hard it is to be strategic and effective in the heat of the moment. If you've got the fastest community car, game, community let's game. all let's let's all let's all start a multiplayer league and just see who has the best strategy. Kill a wog. <laughs> well, I would do that, but none of us got. Uh, anyway, um, I, I'm still on motorsport <laughs> manager and not F1 manager. So, um, should we do the next one? You might be better off, but. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, next one. Is it me? It's me from Wesley. Hey, man. A fantastic drive sands one moment from Ricardo and a DNF for Alonso keeps the battle for best of the rest alive and well with only seven points separating them. Who is going to come out on top? Will either the last two tracks play a significant role in deciding? Who's your money on? Seven points, isn't it? I still think what I said a couple of weeks ago, which is I think because Alpine have the lead, they can eke it out and see it out. They've just got to finish the races, I guess. But that's, even, that's it, yeah. even Alonso not finishing the race and them not losing the position in the championship shows that they've got a little bit of room to spare. And I think the comparison I made last time out was mclaren have the better drivers overall if you did like you know out of a pairing um but alpine probably has a slightly better car at the moment at least on race pace i wonder if alonso is going to need to take a new engine next race yeah he might penalty, something like that will swing it massively i think he's, he's really gonna crazy numbers of components yeah he's already on his sixth um internal combustion engine and his yeah, fifth right. turbo it's unreliable the the alpine yeah, is that's the problem horribly yeah, yeah. unreliable so it, it could go either way i think you have to give the the odds to the team that's in the lead at this stage in the se season only two races left so yeah i'm gonna go alpine i think alpine will hold on to it yeah i think i think in a straight straight fight on pace alpine are faster than mclaren right now McLaren need Alpine to have more reliability. But yeah, my money's an Alpine as well. Okay, next one. Did you answer that, Tom, as well? Yeah, I sort of started off by saying I think I stay where I was with Alpine, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, feel free to read the next one. Okay, Dan Instone says, not my question, stolen from Paul DiResta. <laughs> Should Mercedes throw in the tile in the fight for second place? in the constructors to get even more wind tunnel time versus Red Bull for next season? Absolutely, yes. Why not? It's yeah, so we, weird, I already touched it? on it earlier and I got told to keep shtum because of this question. <laughs> so, yeah. I, it is, it, this, this bit of the championship now just kind of reminds me of when teams are having a losing season in the NFL or anything like that and it's basically like, you know, let's just go out and do the bare minimum to get through the rest of the season because <laughs> we've got a top five draft pick coming next season. Like, don't don't try and get in the playoffs because it compromises our draft position yeah. the next season. Yeah. It's There's got to be a similar sort of logic going through the mind at the minute. I just think that... This, the problem with these three teams sometimes and also the the 
power of them is their egos. Like, Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari are three of the biggest egos in Formula 1, if not the three biggest egos in Formula 1. And I don't know if any of them put in the situation of, do we just maintain and get better wind tunnel time I don't know. That, I don't know if any of them like can maybe put the ego far enough to one side to actually make that decision. Whereas we, as mere mortals, probably would think that's the better option. Well, strategists would think it's the better option. E- yeah, ego is the wrong word. I think drive to win is is a better word. Yeah, to use. Uh, and can you put that drive to win to one side in order to benefit you more and make you give you more chance of winning? next season or give you more resource it's, to aid your winning next season I, I guess as well it's a little bit like again to use another sport analogy but like when it comes to teams that have already qualified for like the next stage of a competition like teams that have made the playoffs but have got regular season games to play they rest the starters they don't put them at risk of injury and things like that and you they, they end up playing a weakened team because they don't need to do it and I guess that's the same sort of thing as what it would be here. It's like, don't push the car to the absolute limits. Just bring it home and we'll kind of take what we get almost. And yeah. hopefully that sees us over the line and in the right position. Well, that, the end of the season. I think that's a, you can apply that analogy to just driving on track, can't you? Like when yeah. you're, you know, do you think Max Verstappen was pushing 10 temps? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> During that race. I don't think he was, was he? So he can bring it home. He's not probably not pushing 10 temps now. Um, now he's won the championship because there's just there's always going to be that slight relaxation no matter no matter what he says when once you've won that championship you're gonna it's gonna be a weight off you it might make him quicker yeah (laughs) it could make him faster (laughs) but um maybe that's why he's been so quick this season because it's he's 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 got his championship hasn't he now yeah Mm. maybe actually a bit less less to lose less pressure less to lose less pressure you can just relax into it Mm. and my goodness, is he a worthy champion this season? You know, he's been practically flawless all year. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, yeah, I've, uh, the back to to go back to the point. I think it if you're Mercedes and your Ferrari, definitely there's there's got to be. You're right, Tom. There's got to be an element of do we just sort of relax? Maybe that's why Ferrari were a little bit. Anonymous hmm. this race. Maybe they're thinking, hang on a minute, we can get a bit more air tunnel time, wind tunnel time if we um because it if we I'll tell you what, if Ferrari were doing that, I guarantee you they would never admit anything remotely. Oh no, oh, no, no. They're no, pushed one hundred percent at all times. They're Ferrari. It's a Ferrari. It's a five percent <laughs> change between second and third, which equates to like it's it's like two or three wind tunnel runs per week. Like that adds oh, up. It's quite a lot. It's a lot, yeah. It's a weird mm. system. It's a very weird system because as soon as you get into the teams that don't need the prize money, if you're not winning a championship, kind of, what would you yeah. rather have? Yeah. yeah, yeah, strange one. Yeah, but then that you know that's part of the whole game is how can we use these rules to our how can we use this rule yep. set mm-hmm. to to our advantage to make it's no different from what Red Bull have done in terms of breaking the cost cap. So if they if they want to go just slow enough to not win second or third in the championship, second in the championship, then uh, high IQ to them, i say. Yeah. Paper Camera for the last one this week says, 
What, if anything, can we read into the gap between George and the rest of the top six? Is it purely strategy that puts him 50 seconds behind Max and 20 seconds ahead of Leclerc? Or are we looking at a genuine pace difference? Well, they're all in different cars, aren't they? <laughs> really? <laughs> what astute analysis, Stu. <laughs> call me Will Buxton. <laughs> you know, if you, if you finish the race in no. first place, you win the race. If you qualify in first, you get to start ahead of the other 19 drivers. I mean, Russell has been scarily consistent this year. And he's definitely felt a lot of the time he's dropped into a bit of a no man's land where he's not been fast enough to beat the Red Bulls and Ferraris, but faster than everyone yeah. else. Um, since they've stopped faffing around with experimental stuff on Hamilton's car, he's generally been behind Hamilton. Um, but you know, it's it's his first year, first year in the car, first year with the team. <clears throat> it's been a bit of a dog of a car. I think he's still had a fantastic season. Yeah. I think the thing to factor in with the, the times specifically that they were that are, you're looking at there as well is Russell took that extra pit stop towards the end, didn't he? So you've got to yeah, add 20-odd seconds or deduct 20-odd seconds from I mean, where he finished. I don't think anyone's going to sit there with a straight face and tell you George Russell's right now on the same level as Verstappen or Hamilton. No. Um... Is he on the same level as Leclerc or Sainz? Maybe. Maybe. I would say Russell, Leclerc, Sainz, Perez in a similar ballpark. I'd, I'd probably put Leclerc mm. at the front of that pack, but it's pro- it's it, you've definitely got Hamilton and Verstappen all the way up there, and then the rest of them a chunk behind. Do you I think, think is George Russell better than Bruno Senna? Yes, <laughs> it's been a while, hasn't it? Uh, I don't even have that jingle to <laughs> to, to do a six-year-old callback. <laughs> Are they better than Bruno Senna? I think old the thing with jokes, old jokes for the win. I think the thing with George is probably that the raw pace is one hundred percent there. It's sometimes it's just a case of executing it consistently for a race distance. Like he... you only have to look at his qualifying, like. I mean, he out-qualified Hamilton this weekend. I don't know yeah. if he would have had Lewis not had that first lap time deleted in Q3. I don't know if that... I can't remember if that one was better than no, George's fastest lap or not. Because, to be, to be fair to him, he was... I read earlier, him and Verstappen were basically neck and neck until the final corner. And it's only the last corner that separated Verstappen and Russell. So he was yeah. super on it in qualifying. Um but he did say himself yesterday after the race that, because obviously he lost two places in the opening corners, didn't he? And he did say yeah. he was taking it easier on the first lap because he's had a lot of slightly silly incidents in the opening of the last few races. So he was... Yeah, he was I suppose also on harder tyres than the guys ahead of him. So. Yeah, yeah, which doesn't help. But again, it's yeah. he spent however many years it was in the slowest car on the grid, he's now in one of the big guns at the front. He's still learning a lot. Like he's been around for a few years, but this guy is still learning a lot, and I think he's yeah. still got a huge potential. Yeah, I think and you only year... have to look at you only have to look at other drivers who have gone from one of the lower teams after two or three seasons and moved that step up 
and not being able to compete whatsoever to compare to the consistency that George has had, I think it's just a case of like building his racecraft over time and being used to running a Formula One car at the front. It's not like he can't run at the front of a pack. He's proven that in multiple of the formula. It's just finding the racecraft in doing it against what is essentially the best drive, or if not the best drivers in the world, very yeah. close to the best drivers in the world. Yeah. I think next yep. year is uh, Russell's year. I think he, he. I think a year in inside the team, and if they can get it together and put a, you know, give him a decent car next year, then I'm really, really excited to see what you know Russell v Hamilton versus Verstappen versus Leclerc yeah. potentially could look yeah. like. I think I think next season will be better than this season across the board. I think it's going to be closer next year. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. And I think Russell stands to benefit a lot from that. Hopefully so. Um, but that wraps us up for this week. So thank you to everyone who has joined us live for this episode and thank you to, to you even for listening back to us. Um, thank you to our sponsors of the prediction section grid rival if you want to find out more about the predictions league or grid rival just head to back of the grid.com where there's links for everything there's also a contact us form if you want to get in touch uh, for the next show uh, you can also do that through social media so you just search for back of the grid on twitter and facebook they're the main places um and that's about it if you if you want to be old school email you can send to hello at back of the grid.com What's and the that's other all thing the places we've got now? I can think. What's the other one? We've got um like a link tree or something. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a, there is a link tree on the Twitter. So if you don't want to tweet us and have your question publicly visible, but also don't want to email or don't want to Facebook messengers or whatever the other methods are, you can also <laughs> click the link tree and there's a contact form in there too. So many different ways. I don't understand why you'd want to avoid all of those things we've just listed. To be fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God world. Yeah. <laughs> or go to Patreon and then become a patron and then you can join the Discord and socialise with our wonderful community of people. Who have Is the anyone still listening to us live. Right, aren't they? Is anyone still listening at this point? <laughs> Unfortunately for them, they are still listening. <laughs> we rant so much and yet they stay. Yeah. Okay. Bye Anderson. then. <laughs> yeah. But that is it. We will be back next week to uh, look ahead to the Brazilian Grand Prix. is Yeah, it will be a preview episode, won't it? Yes. It's it not a preview episode this week. So yeah, it'll be a preview for Brazil next week. Yeah, that's exciting. Going to be a good race, Brazil. Yeah, I can't Fingers wait. crossed. Well, see you all then then. Bye, everyone. See Bye. you then then. Wrong button. Bye. Anyone want to read another question? (laughs) I think you keep that in. Don't, don't, don't outtake that higher professionalism that yeah uh, leave it then if you want it's fine <laughs> I'll just give yourself more work it. to do that's fine <laughs> Finn. oh dear <laughs> right stop that recording yes yeah,